Well, hey, Connect. Uh, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name's Chris. I get to serve as one of the pastors on the team here. And I'm excited to introduce you to a new pastor on our team here in just a sec. This is Jeff. And if you have been with us for any length of time, you know that we, over the last couple of months, have been looking to hire an associate pastor, someone who can join our team, help care for our church family, help lead our serve teams, work with our community groups. And we had a bunch of candidates, by God's grace, which is great. And sometimes a lot of options is a good thing. Sometimes it's a little paralyzing. Uh, in our case, we're thankful for it. But uh, very diverse candidate pool. And as we really prayed about, all right, Lord, what do you have right now for our church family? And who would you have help lead us into whatever's next for our church family? Would you call that person to be a part of our team? And we're so grateful that Jeff is joining our team. He started on Thursday. Him and his wife, Marcy, have lived in Colorado for a couple decades now, uh, for a while, have served in pastoral ministry, and they're going to bring a wealth of experience and insight as we seek God's kingdom right here in South Denver as it is in heaven. And the cool thing about today is you don't just get to see him on stage. We have Let's Connect after. Let, uh, Alex mentioned it in the opening that after the service, we've got a meal today where we're going to just enjoy one another's company. So whether you brought food or you didn't, stick around. It's a great opportunity to meet people. And uh, if this is your church, I would say, hey, say hello to Jeff and Marcy because they're going to be an integral part of our church family going forward. And uh, this is possible. The reason we can bring someone like Jeff onto our team is because, uh, by God's grace and your generosity, we're, we're able to make that step of faith. And we've seen God provide in an incredible way over the last couple of months. We're praying that he's going to continue to provide going forward. And that's because of people like you and me giving and being a part of God's mission in his church. So thank you. Uh, if you're new to Connect, I want to just make a quick plug for you. Alex mentioned there's buckets in front of you. In there, there's a Connect card. If you fill that out and check New to Connect, we'll actually make a donation on your behalf as a church. $10 donation to a local nonprofit that we partner with. So if that's of interest, you can fill that out. You can put it in the basket on your way out. And I just share that because I know when money comes up in church, it's like, well, uh, it's my first day. This is like so, so awkward we would like to make a donation on your behalf because we're a church that wants to be for our community. You see, our prayer is that we will see God's kingdom come right here in South Denver as it is in heaven. Jeff's a part of that. Local nonprofits are a part of that. And so much more is a part of that. So if you would, let's bow our heads. I'd like to pray for Jeff as he joins our team. And I'd love to pray for the offering at the same time. God, thank you for who you are. Thanks for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness. And thank you that we get to gather like this and worship you. Thank you uh, for answering our prayers in calling Jeff and Marcy to join our church family. And we would ask that you would bless them, that you'd pour out your favor and your grace on them, that you would magnify the gifts you've given them, and that it would be for the good of your church. And so that we could see your kingdom come here in South Denver all the more as it is in heaven. And Lord, as we give today and this week, would you take what's given and would you multiply it? Would you use it for your purposes? In Jesus, would you get all the glory? It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we give Jeff a hand just welcoming him? So this year I've gotten into something uh, 
more regularly than I, I have in the past, uh, rock climbing. I, I had done it in like gym class in high school or at a summer camp or things, but I was looking for something that I could do where I could get my mind off things and challenge myself physically. So I started rock climbing. Not very good at it, but hey, it challenges me. And I was at the, the gym the other day, and I was, I was rock climbing, and I got in this conversation with a guy named Eric. And he was asking me about my week and what I was excited about, and it happened to be the week right before Vision Sunday for our church. And I was sharing with him how I'm a pastor, and we started a church in Lone Tree, and he was very intrigued by that. Typically, if I share that I'm a pastor, let alone part of starting a church, that often ends conversations. But he leaned in. So I just asked, I was like, are you part of a church in town? And he's like, well, mm. he's like, I, I, I want to grow spiritually. I read my Bible sometimes. Sometimes I'll talk about it with my friends, but I'm not really part of a church in town. So I just listen and listen. And as he shares, he talks about how he's pretty turned off by the whole institutionalization of church as he's experienced it. He visited a bunch of churches around the country as part of, you know, I don't know, long road trip he did or something, and it was uh, distasteful, to say the least, for him. But he's very hungry. He's eager. So I'm listening, and we're, we're just having this conversation, and it was, a, it was an awesome conversation. And at the end, I just said, hey, Eric, I, I know you haven't been part of a church recently, but here's what we're doing at Connect, and I think you would really resonate with what's going on here. Because while you're, you want to grow in your faith, it's a bit stunted because you're disconnected right now. He was very interested, got our website, got the whole deal. He's been traveling, but I'm praying that he'll come. And not just be a part of this church, but that he'll actually connect. Connect with Jesus, connect with his family. And that he could grow in his faith. And it was interesting, I met Eric shortly uh, after coming across some studies about the spiritual landscape in our country, and he really put a face to what the statistics are saying about the spiritual landscape right now in our country. You see, there's this rise of the nuns, not like old women in black robes, nuns, N-O-N-E-S. These are people who, when they take a, a survey and they're asked, what's your religious affiliation, they check the box, none. Like Christian, Jewish, Buddhist, none. There's, they have no religious affiliation. And there's this growing conglomerate of people who say, I, I, you know, not, not, not associated with any kind of religious group. But interestingly, at the same time, spiritual openness is also on the rise in our country. Eight out of ten adults in our country believe that there is a spiritual dimension or a supernatural component to our world. Three out of four adults want to grow spiritually. Now, if you're interested in statistics, we'll link those studies in our app. We'll also include them in the weekly email. But if you're not interested in statistics, no worries. I bet all of us have had this come up in a conversation, if we ever had a spiritual conversation with somebody not in the walls of a church. I'm spiritual, but not religious. I'm spiritual, but not religious. 
Well, the person saying this probably could not care less about the spiritual landscape of the country. That statement, I'm spiritual but not religious, it sure sums up where many are at spiritually. You see, they believe there's this spiritual dimension. They want to grow in some kind of faith, but they're not interested in the religious institution as they've experienced it. Uh, And from their perspective, I mean, why would you? Why would you choose antiquated religious rules when you can experience personal freedom? Why would you listen to a a corrupt religious institution when you can just find your truth? In a quest to to find your truth, what's also on the rise in our country right now is self-directed spirituality. We'll we'll read a blog post on that, listen to this podcast over here, search YouTube to watch the video to answer our spiritual question. The only thing is that in our quest to grow spiritually, to experience transformation, our problem isn't an information problem. It's a connection problem. And while disconnection is what keeps many from growing in their faith and experiencing transformation, lasting change in their life, While that's the the case for many, it doesn't have to be our story. And while that's what we're wrestling through collectively today, people have been wrestling with this forever. And it's why Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, just took it head on. And we see that in chapter 2. So if you've got a Bible, I would invite you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, where you can see this for yourself we got free Bibles in the back if you'd like a free Bible. We've also got a church app if you want to follow along there, take some notes. Last time we were together, we kicked off this Transform series, and we saw that God's will for us in Christ is that we would experience transformation. And that's for our good, but it's ultimately for God's glory. Today, we're going to see how connection is key to the transformation that God wants us to experience in our lives. So as we prepare to read God's word, let's bow our heads and let's pray and let's ask God to be the one to speak to us now. Lord, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for revealing yourself to us and for speaking to us through your word. Would you speak to us now? Would you show us what you want each of us to experience in our lives, in our spiritual growth? And would we truly experience transformation in Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Now, before we can grasp the solution, we have to have a really clear picture of our problem. And Paul maps out the problem this way in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, in the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. What's our problem? Verse 1 says we were dead in our transgressions and sins. Like when we followed the ways of the world, when we succumbed to the temptation, when we, we, we... We did the thing. We said it. We looked at it. We watched it. When when we sinned, and it was so gratifying in the moment, 
And if sin wasn't gratifying in the moment, you probably weren't doing it right. Because lust, gossip, the sarcastic joke, they feel so good in the moment. But that moment fades fast. And that, that momentary diversion from God who is good, who is holy, it's called sin. And while that moment fades fast right here and now, it has an eternal consequence to it. Uh, Paul described it this way, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Later on, verse 3, Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. The point being, our sin results in death, wrath. He, God's holy. He's perfect. He can't be in the presence of sin. And if we've sinned, which we have, that means God can't be in the presence of us sinners. And while he can't be in the presence of us now, if, if things don't change now, forever we're going to spend eternity apart from God, what the Bible calls hell. Forever separation from God. Our problem, our problem is that there is no amount of information we can gain or acquire to undead ourselves. Our, our sin makes us dead, dead, dead. And there's no, no, nothing we can learn to undead ourselves. Like, who cares if we can parse the Greek? Who cares if we can debate with the best of them? If information was the answer, Google would be good enough. But it's not. We need more than information. We need transformation. So God interceded. He stepped in. Check this out. Verses 4 through 10. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. This is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We were dead in our sin. But because of his great love for us, God did something about it. Paul says, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ Jesus. What's mercy? Mercy is not getting what one deserves. Uh, if uh, one of my daughters hits her sister, she deserves a punishment for that. Or I can choose to show her mercy, and she doesn't receive said punishment. Our sin deserves death. Scripture is clear about that. The, the Old Testament and the law are very clear that the price for sin is death. And then Jesus died on our behalf. That's God's mercy to us. Jesus lived a perfect life. Never sinned. Never succumbed to the temptation. So when he died, he didn't have any sin to pay for. Which meant he paid for your sin and my sin so we now can be made alive in him. We can be undead because of Jesus. 
God is merciful. He, he doesn't give us the death that we deserve. And scripture says, it is by grace you have been saved. A couple times in this passage, Paul says that. It is by grace you've been saved. What's grace? Grace is, is getting what we don't deserve. It's like, like God's mercy saves us from hell. We don't get the death that we deserve. And by his grace, he makes us alive in Christ and gives us an eternity with him in heaven forever. This is good news. This will change everything for you and our world. Uh, grace would be like uh, when Amanda or I give our daughter a gift not because they did anything to earn it, just because we love them. I think like this week, Amanda gave our daughters a puzzle, a very simple puzzle, something to do during quiet time. Did they do anything deserving of a puzzle? No, it was just a normal day. But Amanda loves them, so she graciously gave them a puzzle. Sometimes when I'm at Lowe's, I'll get them a lollipop, and they love it. Whether it's a puzzle or a lollipop, it's just a gift because we love them. Similarly, God has given us a gift, his son, Jesus, so that we can have life with him. It's a gift that's way more profound than a puzzle or a lollipop. And we read it again in verses 5 through 7. Just, just soak in this. Think about this. Reflect on this just for a moment. I'll read it slowly. God made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show his incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Friends, it's as if we were drowning in an ocean and we're sinking the riptide is pulling us out. The waves are crashing down and we can't quite keep our head above water when God in his mercy and grace throws a life preserver out to us and draws us back in. God made us alive in Christ. While we were dead in our sin, he made us alive. From death to life, that is our testimony. That is our testimony. And that's why we can't keep it to ourselves. Not only are, are we not condemned to hell, we're saved for, for heaven, for life with God forever. So how do we receive this gift, this merciful and gracious gift? How do we receive a gift like this? Verses 8 and 9 tell us, For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. We're, we're saved by God's grace, his loving act, giving us something we don't deserve, and we're saved. We, we receive that through faith in Jesus. We don't get salvation because we gained a certain amount of information. We don't realize salvation through meditation. We don't experience salvation because we've earned it. it it's not like, like God is in heaven and he's just waiting to see, is the good going to outweigh the bad? This isn't a karma thing. Our sin deserves death, the wrath of God. We deserve hell, but God, who is rich in mercy, 
loved us extravagantly. Some might even say loved us recklessly. I mean, just listen to this, John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God is loving. He is merciful. He's gracious. So he did for us what we could not do for ourselves. He saves us from our sin and he offers us life. He's, we're forgiven. Our sin is paid for. No, when Jesus died on the cross, he took our sin upon him and the wrath that God has towards our sin, he took it on him. And now we get to stand before God. And when we stand before God, he doesn't see us as sinners. He sees his son, Jesus, standing in our place. And we receive this by faith. What's faith? Well, the author of Hebrews defined faith this way. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Typically, when we, when we hear that word faith, we think of like an intellectual belief. And belief and, and thinking is, is part of it. It's just not the full story of faith. What we see in the rest of Hebrews 11 is that faith expresses itself in action. Faith in Jesus demonstrates itself as faithfulness to Jesus. And the author of Hebrews lists person after person after person who demonstrate their faith in God by faithfully following God. People like Abel. Abel brought an offering, a sacrifice to God, his best. He didn't do it because he had to, he did it because he wanted to. People like Noah. Noah, you know Noah. Noah was charged by God to build the ark. That didn't make any sense back then. It hadn't rained before, let alone a flood. And yet here is Noah in the desert building a giant boat. Why? Because God instructed him to do so. And again and again throughout Hebrews 11 and throughout Scripture, we see that someone's faith in God manifests itself in faithfulness to God. Similarly, our faith in Jesus should be expressed in faithfulness to Jesus. Like when we, when we believe in Jesus and receive his forgiveness for our sins, we don't want to keep living like we always lived. We don't want to lust because we've experienced love. We don't want to gossip because we know the truth. We don't want to put someone down as funny as it is in the moment. We want to put someone down because Jesus laid his life down for us and now we get to lay our lives down in love for others. This is the, the invitation of God to us. We can experience transformation, lasting change, but it's not going to come because we tried really hard or we learned a lot. It comes because we received the gift God extended to us. And just like we are saved from our sin, we're also saved for something. We're saved for a life of purpose. I mean, check this out. Verse 10, Paul says, We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. God prepared in advance for us to do. Like long, long ago, God had a plan. And his plan was for us to be part of his purpose. He had, he's gifted us. He's given us a personality. And for those of us who follow Jesus, we have his spirit in us. And that spirit has gifts that, that manifest themselves. And we get to be a part of God's work. And God had it all planned 
long, long ago. As followers of Jesus, we get to carry out the mission of Jesus. That's why we're here as a church, to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. That's why we're seeking His kingdom, not our kingdom, His kingdom in South Denver, as it is in heaven. I love how Grant, who just started a ministry residency with us, is doing this. He got a membership at a gym in Castle Rock, and uh, while he's working out, he's not just there to get his sweat on. He's building a relationship with the trainer. He's building uh, you know, camaraderie with the person he's in the class with, joking around, listening to them, circling back on conversations. Why? Because Grant knows that, yes, it's good to get an exercise in, but there's something so much greater that we are invited into. We get to be a part of God's work. We get to extend his love to the world. And as Jesus laid down his life for us, we get to lay down our lives for others. We were disconnected, but in Christ, we are connected. We are connected with God. We're connected with our purpose, and we're also connected with one another. Check this out. Now in uh, Ephesians 2, 11 and following, therefore, like in light of the gospel, in light of all of this good news, therefore, remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope, and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For 2,000 years, God's people, the Israelites, they were marked by circumcision. It's kind of a weird sign to tell the world we're God's people, but that's just the way it was. They're marked by circumcision, and that was then, but this is now. He's like, look, no longer are you guys characterized by circumcision. No, 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 everyone gets to be included in the people of God if they receive Jesus. We are marked by his blood shed on the cross. We all get to experience this connection, Jew and Gentile. And this is great news, not just for the guys in the room. It's good news for all. It's good news for all. We all can experience connection in Christ. And that connection in Christ overflows and impacts our connection with one another. We'll look at this, verse 14 now and following. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside his flesh and the law and its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both, them, both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away, and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. You see, for 1,400 years, God's people were set apart, and they demonstrated their set-apartness by obeying the law. 600 plus rules, regulations, dietary restrictions that distinguished God's people from everyone else. And, and that law essentially created an us and them. But Jesus gets rid of us and them. 
He came to bring peace. That law which divided, Jesus came to unite. Like, when we know Jesus, it changes how we relate with one another. It, we, we now get to have peace in our relationships because of the peace that he has brought in our lives. Jesus died for our unity. So we're a people who unite together. It's what we're called to. He, Paul continues, verse 19 through 22, the remainder of Ephesians 2. He says this, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. In Christ, no longer are we foreigners. We're citizens of God's kingdom. In Christ, we're no longer strangers. We're adopted into his family. In Christ, we are connected. We are the church where the spirit of God dwells. And Jesus is the cornerstone, the, 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 the block that's first laid in the, in the building of a building to ensure a straight and level and solid foundation. Jesus is the cornerstone. Not a charismatic communicator, not a personable pastor. Jesus is the cornerstone of his church. You see, a charismatic communicator can build a crowd. A personable pastor can build a following, but only Jesus can build his church. Only Jesus can build his church. And what's the church? It's not an event. It's not a building. The church is people. People in relationship with God, in relationship with one another, and on mission with God. We're the church. And Jesus is the cornerstone because Jesus connects us with God. Jesus connects us with one another. And Jesus connects us with our purpose of connecting people with him. At the most fundamental level, we are created for connection. Created for connection with God, with each other. With the purpose that God had for us long, long ago. And we can try all we want to grow spiritually. And information is good, but information won't get us where connection can. It is only in connection with Christ that we can experience the transformation God has in mind for us. It's a connection that God is offering us by his mercy, by his grace, and we get to receive through faith in Jesus. It's in Christ we're made alive. In Christ, we're forgiven. In Christ, we are adopted into God's family. In Christ, we have got a purpose. So look out, world, because we're coming. We're coming not by our power. We're coming by his power. And the crazy thing is that as we connect with Jesus and as we connect with people and as we connect people with Jesus, we grow in our faith too. Makes me think of Sandy's story. Sandy grew up in an atheistic household. When she was eight, though, she was living in Chicago at the time, and a bus came through our neighborhood. And every Sunday, this bus would pick kids up, and they would bring them to church. And Sandy was spiritually curious. So she got on that bus, and she would go Sunday after Sunday. And she learned about God and his love for her. Well, over time, Sandy continued to explore her spiritual curiosity, but then she, she started to do it through Buddhism. And what does is, what is that way have to offer? And then later in life, she, she came back to the church 
She's raising her kids. She wants them to know Jesus. She wants to follow Jesus. She gets baptized as an expression of her faith in Jesus. And then, years later, her world crumbled. Everything that was normal was no longer normal. Everything changed for her. And it crumbled. And she found herself not living in Chicago, but now she's living out here in Denver. And she gets connected with Pearl Church. And she starts to grow in her faith. She feels welcomed and accepted there. And after some time, she started to get connected here at Connect Church. Not just coming on Sundays, but actually connecting, like in a group. She's part of Brenda's community group, where she has been able to ask questions and receive insight, where she has been encouraged when she's discouraged, where she can process what she's learning and have others speak truth into her life. And she's not just connected in the church, she's also connected with her purpose. She wants others to know Jesus and experience his love too. Just a couple weeks ago, she started serving on the connections team, welcoming people. Not just people who come to this service, but anyone who comes into the rec center, they get the door help for them if you come on Sunday. And while Sandy hasn't arrived, none of us have arrived. But Sandy's growing. And she's growing not because she's just swimming in a pool of information. She's growing because she's in connection, in connection with Jesus in connection with his church, in connection with his purpose for her. And what Sandy's story can be our story too. God, we come before you and pray that you would make that true of us. That like Sandy, we would grow in our faith, that we would grow in our connection with you through Jesus, that we would grow in our connection with one another, that peace and unity would characterize us as a church. And we pray that you would also connect us with the purpose that you have for us, both generally speaking and also as specifically as you choose to reveal to us. And would you give us the faith to follow? Yes, the faith to believe. Yes, the faith to receive. And also the faith to follow. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.